Normal broadcasting has been discontinued. Coming to you from Portland, Oregon. The sports business capital of North America. Keep your radio tuned to this frequency. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. Now, your host. I tell you, I've never seen anything like that guy. Brian Berger. Well, thanks for checking out the only show in the country dedicated to covering the business side of sports. Glad you could join us this week. In our next segment, we'll have the headlines of the week. An ugly week for horse racing, and I think it's going to be even worse in a few weeks. We'll talk about that. We have many, many changes with Sports Business Radio. We've had basically the same team for the last five years, and we're changing some things up, some roster changes. We're going to be telling you about that in segment three. Then in segment four, we're going to go inside the NBA, talk about everything from the people behind the scenes with LeBron James, the Washington Wizards got the lucky ping pong ball go their way this week. They will have the number one pick in the draft. We'll talk about that. A few other NBA notes. That's coming up in segment four. A couple of other notes. Visit my sports business blog or download the SBR podcast on demand. Just go to sportsbusinessradio.com. You can follow me on Twitter at SB Radio. I'm joined in studio by Nathan Roach and Bobby Corser. Guys, uh, how you been doing? Well, I'm expecting a baby any day, so uh, I'm, I'm a little on edge. Yeah, the phone could go off at any it moment. It could go off right now, and I'll have to walk out of the studio. I remember several years ago, uh, I was working for the Blazers, and Garth Brooks, his wife was expecting. So he carried around this little pager, and he said, if this thing goes off, I'm on my private charter, and I'm out of here. I'm not doing the show or anything. So this is back in his heyday when he sold out shows like nobody's business, so all the promoters, everyone was praying that he wasn't going to get that beeper going off, and uh, he didn't. Luckily. I'm sure you're doing the same for me, praying that I don't go off, because, you know, would you be able to do the show here? I don't know. Me? I don't know how we would somehow get through this with uh, without you. Bobby, uh, what's new with you? Uh, I'm not on Baby Watch. <laughs> <laughs> that you know of. Yeah, that you know of. No, I, I know for a fact I'm not on Baby Watch. So. Th- that's a good thing. Yeah, we, we'll discuss uh, some of the changes coming up here in segment three, and you guys will kind of figure out what's been going on. So... Uh, yeah, right. Looking forward to it. Lots of things going on. We rarely talk about the people that make sports business radio turn, but we're going to talk about it this week on our show. But in the meantime, lots of headlines from the world of sports business. We'll get to those next. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Brian Berger from Sports Business Radio. I know many of our listeners dream of a job in the sports industry but don't know where to begin. To me, it's an easy call. Go where sports business education got its start, at the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. It's the first business school in the country to offer undergraduate and graduate programs themed around this multi-billion dollar industry. The Warsaw Center offers a unique blend and strong general business training sports business curriculum taught by industry experts, and rich out-of-classroom experiences, including real-world consulting projects, study tours, and internships. With a strong industry and alumni network and a staff dedicated to accelerating your career, the Warsaw Center has a proven track record of placing students in teams, league offices, corporate sponsors, marketing agencies, sports media, and sports shoe and apparel firms. But like any elite team, there's only a few spots on the roster. To learn more, visit sportsbusinessradio.com for a link to the center's website. The Warsaw Sports Marketing Center. Passion, integrity, and leadership in sports business education. 
back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. It's time for this week's Sports Business Radio headline, sponsored by the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. Visit warsawcenter.com for more information. Headline number one, NFL Players Association Executive Director Demora Smith this week indicated that the union and the NFL remained far apart on a new collective bargaining agreement and a lockout in 2011 remains a strong possibility. Speaking before a presentation in Charlotte, Smith said, and I quote, none of the simple facts have changed. We're still in a paradigm where the owners have said for various reasons they need $1 billion back from the players. No team has reported a decrease in profit. No team has reported a shortage of cash flow. Nathan, we've said this many times on the show. You've got people arguing over billions of dollars, but... When asked to discuss the likelihood of a lockout, it sounds like it's a foregone conclusion. And one of the things that I find interesting with this is it doesn't sound like the NFL owners want to be very forthcoming with releasing financial information. In contrast, the NBA has been very forthcoming with releasing financials to the NBA Players Association. I don't know what the NFL owners have to hide, but if they're going to ask for a billion dollars back, and give no financial information to the NFL Players Association, this thing could go on for a long time. Well, not only that, but it's going to be a disaster, I think. Uh, you know, I don't know how, how the fans will react. We've seen this happen in, obviously, other sports like baseball, and it took them years to recover. Will the same happen with the NFL? I think so. I think, I mean, football is the biggest sport in America. This could be disastrous. Yeah, it really could because, again, the common fan doesn't understand There's so much money at stake here. I mean, we've talked before on the show about how the TV deal for the NFL is a multi-billion dollar deal. It's bigger than the combined deals of the NBA, Major League Baseball, the NHL, and the Olympics combined. Yeah, I mean, that's ridiculous. It's a lot of money there. Why be pigs? Why be greedy? And frankly, I side with the players on this one because the players have non-guaranteed contracts. You play a brutal sport where the lifespan of the average player is three to five years, there's high injury rates, and if you look at your coach the wrong way, you're cut. So you don't have a guaranteed contract like you do in the NBA and in Major League Baseball. So I think the players have a much greater gripe with what the owners are asking for a billion dollars back than players in other leagues. Well, and here's the problem. The only people with bigger egos than the players are the folks that actually own the teams. And so this is going to be a tough one to budge. I don't see this changing anytime soon. Our next headline, Mikhail Prokhorov, who is officially the new owner of the New Jersey Nets. He has 80% of the team. He said this week that GM Kiki Vandeweghe will not be back with the team once his contract expires at the end of June. He also said he's working on a deal to renew team president Rod Thorne. And he said they may have a name change. Could it be the Nets? <laughs> I don't know. What is that it? your best version of no, Russian? No, I know. It's it's really bad. But, I mean, seriously, I think the Nets have been a pretty gruesome franchise for a long time. And I wouldn't mind seeing him change the name, change the logo, change the colors. I mean, this is a team that won 12 games last year. I think they need a culture change. The other thing that was amazing about Prokhorov this week, I mean, talk about a, a bold prediction. He says we're going to make the playoffs next season. Again, this is a team with by far the worst record in the NBA. And he says within five years, they're going to win a championship. This is what he's telling his fan base. He sent out a video to season ticket holders. And 
He says he loves this organization, wants to put a winning culture together, but he's going to live full-time in Russia, and he'll be over you know, six times a year or so to watch his NBA team. Well, Paul Allen lives in Seattle, right? So, And he comes down. I'm, I'm kidding. I'm not comparing the two. But actually, I think from a fan standpoint, if I'm a season ticket holder, I get excited about this. I like a little bit of change, especially when you've had the type of season that you had last season. A little change could do you some good. Maybe even a name change will help fire everybody up in the city. Not to mention, think about the merchandising. You change the name, you change the jerseys, you change everything, all of a sudden you create a whole new opportunity for merchandise. We'll talk more NBA coming up in segment four. Our next headline, NBC, the ratings for the Preakness, down 19% from 2009. If I'm ABC and I've got the Belmont and I know the winner of the Kentucky Derby and the winner of the Preakness and the fact that there's no chance for a triple crown, that's a recipe for disaster for ABC. I don't think anyone's going to watch the Belmont. I know I won't be. Well, that's what happens every single time, really, in horse racing, uh, is that if you don't have someone going for the Triple Crown, you're not going to get the casual fan. And moreover, attendance, this is what they did this year to draw in attendance. They were offering all-you-can-drink booze because they restricted people from bringing their booze in. So they tried to shake it up a little bit, and it failed. I just think horse racing, I mean, we talked about this a few weeks ago. It, it was held in such high regards 20 years ago and I know there's still a lot of people that go to the derby and go to these races they're there alive but I think the TV numbers and the interest from the casual fan it's decreased to such a point where it's almost become irrelevant yeah well go ahead Nathan I was just gonna say I mean you talk about the lot being there live my brother who's worked the Olympics he's worked golf he's worked everything still says to this day the greatest sporting event he's ever been to was the Kentucky Derby. So from a standpoint of being a fan in the stands, it sounds like a pretty great event. Sounds like he had one too many mint juleps. Yeah, maybe. You know, the thing is, I really think that TV needs to whittle down the co- amount of coverage. I mean, you have a three-hour pre-race show going into the preness. Nobody's going to sit around unless you're really into it to sit there and watch three hours. The first, or, you know, first hour was nothing but, you know, a Calvin Burrell documentary, which is fine because, you know, the guy's been amazing one three of the last four derbies, but still it's like, guys... You gotta put something entertaining on TV because there's nothing worse than tuning in for three hours and watching pre-race coverage for a horse race. Maybe NASCAR, maybe the Indy 500, but not a horse race. I agree. It was a snooze fest. All right, our next headline: Nike is dropping Nike Town from its format in favor of a more targeted approach. They announced this week. So there's Nike Towns like all over the country, and they say this week they're gonna. Invest as much as $550 million to add between 250 and 300 Nike brand retail stores worldwide through 2015. Now, the stores are going to be between 3,000 and 6,000 square feet, which is much smaller than the 12,000 to 20,000 square foot stores that they have right now. You may see stores uh, ranging in six to eight different categories running and, and other things. You know, this is the way retail is going. You've got to be more focused because of high rent prices. You know, you can't have a 20,000 square foot space and have 100 people coming through over the course of a day. So I think this makes a lot of sense for Nike. And then also people are ordering more and more product online. So, the you know, I know you want to show off your product in a retail store, but 
with the growth of online sales, I don't think you want to pay the rent of a 20,000-square-foot space. No, and I agree with that. Nike Town was initially set up to, to be more of an experience than a store. If you've ever been to some of the Nike Towns, they're pretty cool on the inside. I think the area that this might hurt is your smaller sports like tennis. And, you know, I mean, tennis, I use that as an example. I mean, specialty stores that focus just on a tennis product, I don't know that they could open up a store that's specifically just for tennis. I think these will be more geared towards, like you said, running, maybe even a Jordan brand store, something that has a large mass appeal. But for the most part, people are going online. We're spoiled here. I personally, I get to go shop at the Nike Nike employee store. Me too. So you get 50% off there. And uh, I'll tell you, they got everything. And you get it at a discounted rate. And that's one of the perks of living in Portland and knowing some people who work out at Nike. Our last headline of the week Major League Soccer, so far in the season, we talked a few weeks ago how Major League Baseball attendance is way down. Major League Soccer is up 9% thus far in the season. So, uh, led by Seattle. I mean, the Seattle Sounders are putting up ridiculous attendance numbers. Through five home dates, 180,000 fans already have come to Quest Field. They're averaging 36,144 fans. The team with the least attendance, the worst attendance, is FC Dallas, and they're averaging 9,300 fans. So MLS, one of the things they did a few years ago that was smart was they went away from the enormous football stadiums to the more compact soccer stadium, and it doesn't look as empty And it's worked out well for them, I think. Well, and I think that a lot of this has to do with the World Cup right now. Everybody starts to get excited about the World Cup. They're checking out soccer. And for us being in Portland, I'm excited about this because, of course, Portland has a Major League Soccer team coming. So uh, great news from uh, Major League Soccer. All right, coming up next, Sports Business Radio has been around for six years. And we've had largely the the same team for those six years. But we're going to have some changes to our roster. We're going to be doing some things to our website want to tell you about all those changes coming up with our team. That's coming up next. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. Brian Berger goes one-on-one with the biggest names. My guest is NBA Commissioner David Stern. I thought you did a wonderful job of handling the game ball situation. You listened to your players and the owners, and ultimately I thought you got it right. What did you learn from that experience? It probably pays to go the extra step to build a consensus, even though you don't think there's any other view that makes sense. My guest is Jack Nicholas. What are the main lessons the game of golf can teach us if we pay close enough attention? You develop relationships with people. I think you play 18 holes of golf with somebody. You get to know them pretty well. We're joined by Bill Hancock. He's the executive director of the BCS. What we want is for the best two teams to play in the championship game. Beyond that, I'm not sure it's really fair to say what's good for the BCS or or what's bad for the BCS. Follow us at sportsbusinessradio.com and on Twitter at SB Radio. Back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. We are back, and I'm joined in the studio by Nathan Roach and Bobby Corser. And we wanted to spend this segment, we don't talk about ourselves very much. You don't get to know us very well. A little bit, but not... We're not all that exciting. We're not all that exciting. But for the last six years of doing this show, it's been largely the same team. We've had one constant, actually two, but one definite constant throughout the show, and that's been our executive producer, Bobby Corser. 
Um, I've been at most of the shows, but I've had some things that have gone on in my life over the last few years that I won't bore you with the details of. And I've missed some shows, and Nathan and Bobby have held down the fort. Nathan is expecting his first child, a little boy, anytime. I mean, his beeper could literally go off during the show today, so he's going to be doing a lot of uh, daddy time. I love that you called it a beeper as if we're 1989 <laughs> right now. <laughs> All right, he may get a text. Fair enough. An email, a phone call, something like that on, on his iPhone. Um, but we have some changes coming up. And Bobby is going to step away from his day-to-day role as the executive producer of Sports Business Radio. He's got some things going on in his life, and he can share some of those with you if he chooses to in the next few minutes. And Brian Griggs is going to be our new executive producer starting in June. And we've gotten to know Brian really well. He works here at the station that we originate our national show from uh, in Portland, Oregon. And he's very, very talented, and we're looking forward to him uh, joining our team. But Bobby will still work with me on the local show, and he'll still be around. So it's not goodbye. It's just uh, probably won't see you as much. And in some ways, I think Bobby is secretly doing a little bit of a tap dance. (laughs) But we'll see. Um, so, you know, I wanted to spend this segment talking about that. The other major change that you're going to see from us in the next month or so, and we kind of talked about this last week with Tim Limke, who writes for TimLimkeSports.com, used to cover sports business for the Washington Times. We're redoing our website. And one of the things that I really wanted to do a better job of is providing more content for you, not only via this radio show, not only via our podcast, but also online in in written form. And frankly, I have not had the time to blog as much as I'd like to, to write as much as I'd like to. I'm a pretty prolific tweeter, um, but I feel like we need to be out there more regularly. So what we've done is we've assembled a team of three to four writers, very good writers, the quality of Tim Lemke, who, again, wrote for the Washington Times. That's pretty darn impressive. He's going to be writing for sportsbusinessradio.com coming up in June, and he'll be joined by other voices, people who work in the industry, people from all over the world. One of the things I've heard from you, the listener, loud and clear over the last few years, you'd like to see us take more of a global approach to covering sports business. You want to hear about sports business in Europe. You want to hear about sports business in South Africa. You want to hear about sports business in Russia and China. Well, we're going to try and do a better job of covering that not only via this radio show, but also via our website. So I think you're going to see much more regular updates to our blog. You'll see more frequency from our writers. They're going to write several times throughout the week. I might chime in with an opinion, but I'm still going to really try and tweet. I I try and tweet every day about something, and uh, I will continue to try and do that. And then, of course, we're going to bring you this radio show, and it exists in, in many different forms. And thank you to all the people who have emailed over the years and talked about you know, how this is a podcast they listen to every week or they listen to the radio show every week. And it means a lot to us. And frankly, to me, the people that I appreciate hearing from the most are the people who work in the industry because they like hearing from the guests that we have on the show. We have high-level guests on this show. Just in the last month, NBA Commissioner David Stern, B. Perez, the CMO of Coca-Cola. I got an email this week from a high-level person at another company who wants to come on the show and is going to come on in the next few weeks. 
So the people who are living it and breathing it in the sports world are coming on this show. And even if you work in the industry, I think you appreciate the insight of the people who are on the show. And one of the things I've tried to do as the host of this show over the last six years is put myself in the position of you, the listener, and ask the questions of our guests that I think you'd like answered, whether it's Bill Hancock with the BCS, why does this format exist, why can't we have a playoff, things like that, whether it's NBA Commissioner David Stern, you know, why did you switch game balls? I thought the game ball was working just fine before. Lots of different things, but it's been fun. Um, Bobby tells us that next week, will be our 500th episode of Sports Business Radio. So next week, we're going to bring you some fond memories of the last six years, maybe some clips of some interviews that we've done, and look back over the first 500 episodes. If someone had told me six years ago when I started this show with Keith Foreman that we were going to have 500 episodes, I would have done cartwheels. I didn't think we'd last 50 episodes. So to get to 500 uh, is is pretty fun, and I think we found some traction, and we found our our place in the marketplace. You know, it's funny looking back and that's 500 episodes of not only just the national edition of sports business radio, the local edition. And even remembering back a couple of years ago to the TV show that we had where we were taping, you know, two editions of this show every night, my ugly mug. Oh, you know, it was fun though. It was cool to have a TV show. And I know you and I both kind of enjoyed that. It was a late night for me, not getting out of here till two, three o'clock in the morning and then having to turn around and, you know, ship it off to the network. But you know, 500 episodes, a lot has happened since I got that call, me personally saying, hey, we're, you know, moving you up to produce a show about sports business. And the first guest is David Stern. I was like, wow. I mean, this show is serious because you know that David Stern doesn't just talk to anybody. Yeah, it's been fun. I mean, the, and the great thing, too, is the people that we've had on, some of the people that I met for the first time through this show have come on again and again. And then, you know, you've noticed we have our stable of guests that are journalists like we are. We love having Rick Buecher on. Um, Charles Robinson from Yahoo has come on with us many times. Paul Swangard from the Warsaw Center comes on with us regularly. Tim Limke is going to come on. That's the other thing is the people that write for us will come on sometimes on the radio show now, and they'll talk about some of the pieces that they've written and some of the stories that they're covering for sportsbusinessradio.com. So we're really going to try and step up I guess, our platforms and cover the world of sports business from a wider uh, angle. We are working on potentially doing an app, and uh, we'll keep you in the the loop about that so you could uh, listen from your your smartphone or your mobile device. I know a lot of people are are doing apps, but uh, maybe we can even stream this show live on the app like everybody else is doing, right? Yeah, maybe. I'm sure we could figure out. Some way to do it. So, Bobby, I'm sure curious minds want to know, and without getting too personal, um, you know, you've battled some health problems, and we all want the best for you, and you got to take care of yourself. But again, you know, you're still going to be with us uh, on our local show and, and helping from afar, but I don't know if you have any uh, anything that you want to tell our listeners, our audience that has heard you pop on the mic. You know, many a time during the last six years. You know, it's it's funny. As I look back over the last six years and now, you know, coming up on 500 episodes, I've been behind the controls for, I think, 496 or 97 of them. And, you know, like I said, I, you and I have been here pretty much the entire time. Nathan and I have also gone back and like when you were out, you know, how down the fort. But it's funny, just looking back at the show, you know, I'm seeing this thing, six years has really flown by and 
you know, you're right. A lot of I've had some health issues in the last few months. I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease in February. Uh, kind of started everything in last November. Wasn't feeling too well, and eventually, you know, through a couple hospital stays and some ex- extensive tests, you know, they finally figured it out. And you know, I don't want to step away, but it's one of those things where. I kind of have to take a moment, just kind of reflect on my own health. And it's nothing against working with Brian or Nathan or Keith or any of the guys that we have on the staff. It's just something that I have to do. And, you know, I'm sad to step away from the day-to-day side of it. But my replacement in Brian Griggs, you're not going to find a better producer. You're not going to find a better production guy, production director than the guy that's stepping in. I've known Brian for a very long time. And, you know, if I had the chance to have a guy that was my hand-picked successor, and I know you and I have chatted about this extensively, He's the guy you want because he not only knows the industry, knows the show, knows how to produce award-winning, you know, audio. And, you know, we strive to do that here on Sports Business Radio. Well, he's got big shoes to fill, but I think he can uh, he can step it up to the plate. Uh, you know what this means, Brian, don't you? What does it mean? It means that you and I are really going to have to step up our uh, auto racing knowledge because, and I know we'll bring Bobby on, but... Uh, you know, Bobby is our resident racing expert. Or the alternative is we just don't discuss auto racing anymore. Yeah. And, and I'd be fine with that. Yes, you would, but you still have to remember NASCAR <laughs> brings in a ton of money on the sports business side, as B. Perez, you yeah. know, brought up a couple weeks ago. So, And here comes the emails from the NASCAR. Yes, but we, we've got a very finite <laughs> amount of time on this show, so we might not be able to get to uh, auto racing more than once or twice a year. I'm thinking Daytona 500 and Indy 500. Other than that... Probably uh, not a faster way to put our audience to sleep than talking about auto racing. How, how about tennis coverage over here by Mr. Hey, Nathan hey, Roach? hey now. Let's not get ahead of ourselves, all right? Yeah, I mean, it's funny. We all have our, our certain interests. I come from the NBA. I worked for the Portland Trailblazers for six years. A lot of my contacts are in the NBA. I follow the NBA closely because I'm a fan of the NBA as well. So I tend to gravitate towards basketball, college, and pro. I know Nathan likes talking about tennis, and, and obviously, Bobby, you like talking about auto racing. We're going to have to figure out what Griggs' uh, interests are, and uh, you know, maybe we'll have, hopefully it'll be something new, and we can have some, some fresh content on the show. I, I hope that it's not just that I like talking about tennis. I mean, I, I like to think of myself as, as more of a tennis expert, if you will. How do you feel about yeah, that? Well, you know, but see, going back, Nathan did play college tennis, and Nathan has a really good understanding of tennis, and so we you know we gravitate to that. Bobby I've been around. Rescue. I've been around auto racing my entire life. My grandfather drove, you know, Midwest NASCAR. So it's just one of those things where you know it's in my blood, and you know we all have our other sports that we love. You know, we all like golf, we all like football, we all love college football. You know, the thing about this show that's funny is we're not just sports fans, but we also see the reason why we do the show. Because we all have that interest of what happens in the front office. We have the interest of what happens behind the scenes, not just X's and O's. Yeah, I mean, the reason Keith and I started this show six years ago was because, without sounding arrogant, we got sick and tired of listening to remedial sports radio. The guys sitting around at the bar, the guys talking about picking up the chicks, all this kind of stuff. And we thought, you know, there's there's an audience out there that is a little bit smarter than that. And they want to know what's going on behind the scenes. They want to know about ticket prices. They want to know about how does that salary get paid. They want to know why does the BCS exist like it does. I mean, there are so many things that make the sports world tick, and we wanted to kind of peel back those layers for you. And I think we've done a decent job. And, again, 
we go to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. So we're going to the decision makers as often as we can so you can hear from them why they made a trade, why they made that deal, and we're going to try and continue to do that uh, in the future. Well, on behalf of Sports Business Radio, Bobby, it's been uh, a pleasure working with you for these past five years. Uh, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to miss having you in the bench there and seeing you every time we do the show, but uh, I know that you'll be at least part of the national show in spirit. And, and, you know, I'm not, like I said, I'm not, you know, stepping away completely. I will be on the local show, and, you know, I'll, I'm available if Griggs needs me, you know, as a backup in case he needs to take some time off or wants to take a vacation. I can step take right in. Take a break from Brian. I understand that totally, Griggs. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But I, I do want to say I appreciate that. And, you know, over the last 500 episodes and six years, it has been a pleasure to work with Brian. I mean, the show has really opened my eyes to kind of the business side of sports. And uh, I've definitely learned a lot over these last six years. So thank you guys for a very, very pleasurable and memorable experience. Well, thank you very much too. And uh, you've done a fantastic job and uh, we're glad that you're not going too far and that you'll still be involved. We're all about to hug it out right now in just a second, I think. Yeah. And we'll put a picture of us hugging it out on our website and I'll send it out via Twitter too. So you can see us hugging it out. And we'll also send out a picture on Twitter of uh, B Griggs, B Grizzle. And uh, you can uh, get to see, our new executive producer, and uh, you'll be hearing from him. Because, Griggs, I'm going to have you chime in now and again with, with your opinion, too. Everyone has an opinion when it comes to sports. Everyone. So, you know, it's always good to get some uh, different perspectives. All right, coming up in our next segment, lots going on in the NBA this week. Uh, one of the things we want to talk about, the team behind LeBron James. Who's going to help him make the biggest decision of his life? I'm not going to sit here and tell you, Hey, LeBron's going to go to Chicago. LeBron's going to go to Miami. LeBron's going to go back to Cleveland. But we will tell you the main players that are going to play puppet master when it comes to helping him make that decision. We'll also talk about the fact that the Washington Wizards got the number one pick in the upcoming draft. Could it be John Wall? Could it be Evan Turner? We'll discuss and how that might impact the business of the Wizards. That's coming up next. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. This is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. Every championship team has one thing in common, good coaching. And I want to be your coach, your media coach. When I'm not hosting Sports Business Radio, I team with former Nike PR director Lee Weinstein to form New School Media Coaching. New School Media Coaching uses a fresh and interactive approach for educating our clients about dealing with today's media landscape. Whether you're an athlete, a coach, or a front office executive in the sports or business world, we'll prepare you for communications with the masses in today's social media world where everything is on the record. And just like any good coach, We'll help you practice your new skills, and we'll be there to provide constructive feedback every step of the way. With a combined 40 years of experience, we're veteran coaches, but we use a new school approach. For an overview and a list of our services, visit newschoolmediacoaching.wordpress.com or email me at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com. This is Sports Business Radio. We are back, and we thought we'd take this segment to talk about uh, the many happenings in the NBA of late. Number one, the Washington Wizards got the number one pick in the upcoming NBA draft. And, you know, 
we've had Ted Leonsis, who's going to become the majority owner of the Wizards, who already owns the Capitals, on this show. And he's a really good guy, so I was very happy for him. But it was a really cool moment at the draft lottery when Abe Poland's widow was there with his 1978 championship ring from when they were the Washington Bullets. And she was so excited, and of course, Mikhail Prokhorov wasn't very excited because they had a 25% chance of landing the top pick and actually didn't even get the second pick. They got the third pick, so it goes Washington Wizards, Philadelphia 76ers, and then the New Jersey Nets. But, you know, there's several things about this. Number one, John Wall is the type of player that will affect a franchise's value. He is going to be a megastar. I don't know that he's going to be LeBron James-esque or Dwayne Wade, but he's going to be a big star. And the fact that the Wizards can tout him to sell tickets, sponsorships, and other things, you know, I think that's really going to help their culture. I will would look for the Wizards to try and trade Gilbert Arenas. The unfortunate thing for them is there's four years and $80 million remaining on Gilbert Arenas' contract. You may remember Gilbert Arenas served time here recently for bringing guns to the MCI Center or the Verizon Center, whatever the name of the center is now in, in Washington where they play. And obviously that's against the law. And uh, so he had to do some jail time. So um, I think it was a really fortunate thing for the Washington Wizards to get that number one pick. I'd be shocked if they don't use it on John Wall. And then the other thing that this does is some people had said if John Wall had gone to the New Jersey Nets with the number one pick, John Wall and LeBron James are friendly, and that it might have been more enticing to LeBron to go to New Jersey to play with John Wall, but now since Wall won't be in New Jersey, a lot of people are crossing New Jersey off the list. I wouldn't do that yet, just because Mikhail Prokhorov this week, he's shown he's an aggressive guy, he's creative, um, and also Jay-Z is a minority owner of the New Jersey Nets, so that's been talked about for a long time. Jay-Z and LeBron are good buddies. And what could that lead to potentially when LeBron becomes a free agent? Uh, you know, I think that LeBron personally, and I know we'll get into this, I think LeBron is going to stay in Cleveland. There's so much, where is he going is this and that in Chicago, like you mentioned earlier in the show today. I mean, the, you know, part of me was wondering, does does Michael Jordan have any, you know, kind of pull with LeBron about where he's going to go? Not that he's going to go to Charlotte, but, you know, the big talk is Chicago, where Jordan was an icon. Does LeBron James really want to live in the shadows of Michael Jordan? Uh, you know, I don't think that he does. I think that he's going to stay in Cleveland. Even if Wall had gone to New Jersey, I think that would have been somewhat of a big selling point. But I don't think it would be enough to get him there. And just being friends with Jay-Z I think he's got a pretty solid team right now in Cleveland, and I think he's going to stay put. Let's talk about Team LeBron, and I don't mean the Cleveland Cavaliers. These are the people that are going to help LeBron James make his decision. Number one, CAA. And CAA is going to dictate how this summer plays out in the NBA, not only for LeBron James, but they also represent Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh, John Calipari, and Pat Riley. A lot of different pieces there. Leon Rose is the agent at CAA who represents LeBron James. There's also a gentleman named William Wesley, known to many in the basketball world as World Wide West. We've come across World Wide West at 
some of the Nike events, Nathan. And he's very, very influential. And a lot of people for a number of years said, what is World Wide West's role? He knows everybody. He's got power with everybody. Well, CAA recently brought him into the fold. He is already on the job, according to people I've spoken to, or at least maybe not officially on the job, but he's making phone calls and doing due diligence. So those two are going to really have a lot to say with what happens with LeBron. Henry Thomas is an agent at CAA, and he represents Chris Bosh and Dwayne Wade. And the interesting thing about Leon Rose and Henry Thomas is a few years ago, they were independent agents. But CAA, not missing any opportunities, saw, whoa, the summer of 2010. These three guys are going to really change the landscape of the NBA. If we got their agents, we could bring in 350 to $400 million in contracts. We're going to see contracts from these three guys like we've never seen before. So CAA goes out and purchases Leon Rose's agency. They go out and purchase Henry Thomas's agency, and they bring them in under the CAA umbrella. And again, you know, there were rumors this week. I don't know if I believe them. But that CAA was shopping LeBron and John Calipari, the coach at University of Kentucky, who are friendly, as a package deal. I don't think LeBron, I would hope LeBron isn't dumb enough to be part of a package deal. Right. He should be his own deal. And if Calipari, you know, rides his coattails, great. But it shouldn't be contingent upon if you don't take him then I don't come. And, you know, I'll say a few things about LeBron. Number one is he's a game changer. And I'm not talking about on the court. I'm talking about financially. He's going to double the value of your franchise or he's going to increase it markedly. Um, He's also going to sell lots of tickets. He's going to sell sponsorships. If you go onto my blog at sportsbusinessradio.com, I wrote a piece on how the term max... Max contract is overused. And I think there's only six players in the NBA that are deserving of a max contract. And I gave you my qualifications for being a max player. Go on to sportsbusinessradio.com and read that. But obviously, LeBron is a guy who is good for business. And who wherever he goes, he's going to affect that franchise's value. If he leaves the Cleveland Cavaliers... They're going to lose $100 million in value. Their ticket sales are going to plummet. Their merchandise sales are going to plummet. And it's going to be really, really sad to see for Cleveland. Um, Lynn Merritt, who we know, he works at Nike and he oversees basketball. He's the one who signed LeBron to the Nike contract. He's going to have a say with LeBron. LeBron looks at him as a father figure. He's going to listen to Lynn. He's going to take his counsel. At the end of the day, you know, the thing I worry about with LeBron is he's going to have different people telling him different things. In other words, his buddies that he runs with, LRMR, his high school buddies. Maverick Carter. I think they want to live in New York. They want to run with Jay-Z. They want to run the town. They want to, you know, come to the Madison Square Garden every game. And, and they'd love living in New York. It's active. It's a great place for a young person to live. If they can be kings of New York, 
That's what they want. Um, Lynn Merritt, I think, might have different ideas. I'm not saying that I haven't spoken to Lynn, so I'm not going to speak for him and where he wants LeBron to go. But I'm just saying, I think there are going to be some people advising LeBron based on their own agenda and other people who really are looking out for LeBron's best interests. At the end of the day, LeBron needs to take responsibility, and it's his decision, just like it is for Dwayne Wade, just like it is for Chris Bosh. But there are going to be free agents, mark my word, that are overpaid that are given max contracts that don't deserve them. Joe Johnson for the Atlanta Hawks. Someone who doesn't get LeBron or Dwayne Wade, they're going to throw max money at him, and they're going to go, hey, fan base, we got Joe Johnson. And they're going to try and sell him as, you know, the savior for that franchise. They're going to be owners that are burning holes in their pocket that are going to throw money around to players that, that, frankly, don't deserve a max contract. Well, you know what's also amazing when you talk about LeBron going back for just a second? You mentioned the team is trying to, to hype LeBron and trying to get him to stay. It's not only the team. It's the cities. I, you know, Obviously, Cleveland is trying to get him to stay. But Chicago, Obama has come out and kind of hinted at launching oh, sure. a campaign for LeBron James. Mayor Bloomberg in New York. The amount of money that he brings in for the cities as well as right. incredible people that don't that come from towns, cities, states that do not have an NBA team are going to go to see LeBron in whatever city. It's amazing that one athlete can not only impact a franchisee like that but can also impact a city. He's a big tourist attraction. So <laughs> seriously, I mean when people go to Cleveland, I mean what's there to do in Cleveland? If I'm in Cleveland and the, the Cavs are playing... That's where the heart of rock and roll is, like Huey Lewis said. All right. Well, <laughs> I haven't gone there. I'm not saying I won't go there, but... You know, I think a lot of people, if you're a sports fan and you're in Cleveland and there's a Cavs game going on, you're going, hey, I'm going to see LeBron. And that's how it will be wherever he goes. Same thing with Dwayne Wade. So we will be following this story closely. But now you know who makes up Team LeBron a little bit better and how the news of the Washington Wizards getting the number one pick this week affects the free agent landscape a little bit and possibly the franchise value of the Wizards. Coming up next, we learned that there's a head coach in college football this week with a not very impressive resume that's paid at the top of his profession. Who is it? We'll tell you next. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. It's no secret that we're battling a tough economy these days. It's more difficult than ever for companies to position their brand in a unique way and reach their target audience. Sports Business Radio can help you, though. Sports Business Radio is syndicated in markets nationwide. Our popular podcast is regularly rated in the top 100 business news podcasts on iTunes and has listeners around the world. But our radio network and podcast aren't the only places your company will receive exposure when you join our family of sponsors. We'll also give you exposure via sportsbusinessradio.com and at our new Sports Executive Speaker Series events, which feature a conversation with a key decision maker from the world of sports in front of a live audience. And best of all, we can expose your product to the big-name guests that appear on our show. We'd love to have you on our team. Please contact me at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com or at 503-701-2215 if you're interested in becoming a sponsor of Sports Business Radio. The website is sportsbusinessradio.com. So HBO's Real Sports with Bryant Gumbel came out this week, and they said 
that Lane Kiffin, they've discovered, the new USC head football coach, is making a staggering $4 million to coach USC. Now, I know this is L.A., I know it's a big market, but let me put these numbers into perspective. Lane Kiffin has been a head coach for 12 games with the Oakland Raiders and the University of Tennessee. 12 games he's been a head coach. It comes out to $333,000 a game based on this $4 million salary. Other coaches in college football who make $4 million or more per year, Texas coach Mack Brown, Alabama coach Nick Saban, Florida coach Urban Meyer, LSU coach Les Miles, Oklahoma coach Bob Stoops. The $4 million is more than Ohio State coach Jim Tressel makes. All of these coaches that I just named, not named Lane Kiffin, have all won at least 12 games in a season, and they've all won a national championship. Nathan, at $4 million a year, I think Lane Kiffin is grossly overpaid. Well, until you just mentioned his name again, I'd forgot who he was once you listed off that list of Hall of Famers, you know, Jim Tressel, I mean, Urban Myers. You got some of the biggest names in college football, and then you got Kiffin. Now, Kiffin brought his father, Monty, with him, who was a defensive coordinator in the NFL for many years, was also the defensive coordinator at Tennessee. Monty Kiffin, defensive coordinator, is going to make $2.2 million at USC to be the defensive coordinator. Shatters the record for highest paid assistant in college football. We'll see how that works out for USC. They got their work cut out for them. Lots of thank yous on our show. Want to thank our show staff. Obviously, Bobby Corser, thank you for six wonderful years. Nathan Roach, Josh Blank, Darren Peck, Ron Barr, James Harris, Doug Zanger, and Brian Griggs are sponsors. The Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon and New School Media Coaching. A podcast reminder, you can catch our show on demand via podcast every week. Just go to sportsbusinessradio.com, click on the podcast page. You can follow us on iTunes, type in Sports Business Radio under the podcast section. Follow me on Twitter, at SB Radio. For Bobby Corser and Nathan Roach, Big Daddy, I'm Brian Berger. Enjoy your week. We'll talk to you next week on Sports Business Radio. Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. Well, I'm dusting off my golf clubs and looking forward to enjoying the gorgeous Oregon summer weather on the golf course. Like many of you, I'm on a budget. I want to tee it up when it's convenient for my schedule, and I enjoy playing golf courses that deliver a private golf club experience. That's why I want to tell you about the Ghost Pass at Pumpkin Ridge Golf Club. The Ghost Pass is Oregon's premier frequent player program that allows you to play the world-renowned Ghost Creek Golf Course for over half off of the regular greens fees. And with your Ghost Pass, you can make your tee times 14 days in advance. The Ghost Pass program sets itself apart by offering a competitive tournament program, which includes one exclusive Ghost Pass event at Witch Hollow. The Ghost Pass is available for only $150, and here's the best part. When you sign up for the Ghost Pass, you'll receive a complimentary round of golf valued at $150. So you literally can't lose when you purchase the Ghost Pass. Go online to pumpkinridge.com and sign up for the Ghost Pass today. I'll see you on the links.